Two windmills are standing out in the middle of a field. One looks at the other and says, what kind of music are you into? Second windmill says, oh, I'm a big metal fan. This is Across the Table, the podcast of Hannibal the Magician. Hello and welcome back. Episode 12, Even Dozen. Really glad you showed up, glad you're here, glad I'm here. I'm sitting at my incredibly cluttered, messy desk, and I've got a, a stack of notes and things to talk about. This this may break down into two. I don't know how, what, your, uh, what your tolerance for Hannibal is or how long you'll actually stick around, but hey, here we are, right? Business stuff first. Let's get uh, let's take a look at what's upcoming. Uh, September's turned into a, quite a quite a week. Um, went to Chicago, had a uh, did a did a house party and did a fundraiser out in Whiteville, North Carolina, which turned into a, an extraordinary story. Um, I'm just uh, just really really lucky that way. Coming up this weekend in Charlotte, North Carolina, you'll find me at Festival in the Park. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, there's a, a little stage down in a grove uh, of trees, so it's nice and uh, cool. The, the shade is, is across the seats, and there's usually a nice wind blowing um, in these, uh, these still warm days of, uh, of the end of summer, the beginning of fall here in Charlotte. But uh, come and find me. Um, I'm easy to spot if you're coming into the, into the park from the main entrance. You're going to kind of bear around to the right, and the little grove is down there about out halfway down the, the main path. Um, there's going to be, uh, Haydini is also going to be doing some stage time. Uh, tried to reach some other magicians in the Charlotte area, but got no response from any of the clubs or any of the uh, individuals I reached out to. So they do not feel like uh, showcasing their talent out in the public. I'll leave that for whatever it is. So Festival in the Park. September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, 2017, here in Charlotte. Following that, there's going to be, I'll be at the USO on the 30th, doing a USO show in Raleigh. Um, and then I will be in Orlando the beginning of October, the 4th through the 8th, at uh, the Genie Convention. Genie, the, the uh, international, the only, uh, right now, as far as I can tell, uh, International Conjurers Magazine. Been around for quite some time and, and still going strong, and they're having a big convention down in uh, in Orlando. And Hannibal is going to go down there and do close-up for the close-up show and then um, rub elbows with uh, friends and, and colleagues and, and learn something myself. Uh, always keep learning, kids. Always keep studying your craft. Uh, let's see what happens after that. Okay, following that, I will be at the Magic Castle in Hollywood the uh, Academy of Magical Arts and their playground, the Magic Castle. I'll be there from the 16th through the 22nd working the late close-up show. Love to have you come out if you're in the area. Uh, come see me. Drop me a line. Let me know you're coming. Let me know you'd like to, to come and, and specifically see the show. And then at the end of October, well, the beginning of November, actually, looks like I'm going to be heading to Vancouver to do a couple of shows up in Vancouver for uh, Sean Farquhar, my friend. Sean has asked me to come up and do a, uh, a mini convention or a mini uh, lecture 
for a group of guys up there, and um, can't wait. Looking forward to it. Of course, they all, as always, the uh, the uh, monthly Monday Magic at Petra's here in Charlotte, first Monday of every month. Second of October, I'm going to have uh, the Speakeasy. Uh, Greg James and Leah Palmer-Licht, who's going to come out uh, once again to open for me, and... Um, and uh, we're going to tear the place down. It's going to be awesome. I only have a few shows left at Petra's before I move across the across the country, so I'm going to try to make these as special as I can. Come out and share some fun with me. The November the fourth is it, or is it the uh, it's the sixth? I beg your pardon. It's going to be November the sixth. Very special guest, the Rambling Sailors from uh, from various and sundry. Renaissance festivals from across the country, good stage mates, good friends of mine um, from the Carolina Renaissance Festival are going to be opening the show uh, at Petra's on November this, uh, November 6th, so that will be awesome. Hey, let's get some bookkeeping out of the way, too. Um, as always, this program is sponsored by you, uh, not only financially, hopefully a little, a little financially to help uh, go, you know, take care of some of the edges of things. But also your uh, your uh, your spiritual encouragement, your emotional encouragement. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think. Let me know how we're doing. Uh, what you like, what you don't like. Ask questions. Leave notes. Leave comments. Send photographs of you listening to my show. Uh, whatever makes you happy. Let me let me know that you're you're out there. Okay. Um, financially, you can help me out by uh, contributing to my Patreon. Patreon page, of course, uh, patreon.com forward slash magic artist. Uh, I, I ask for simply a $5 a month uh, commitment that will help me to throw more public shows, do more shows like this, post more videos, etc. The things that I do outside of being the card monkey on stage, which uh, I, I am loving more and more every single day. Uh, follow your abilities, man. Do, uh, do the thing that you love. Do the thing you were made to do and uh, and bring some, some happiness to this world. Lord knows we need it. So you can help me continue this dream um, with uh, uh, a monthly, uh, monthly commitment, five bucks or whatever you can afford, higher or lower. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash magic artist. It is really, really needed. Uh, it does come to the point sometimes where it's if I don't receive the commitment, I simply can't do the shows anymore. Uh, I'll have to focus on something else to uh, to keep the lights on, as it were. You can also make, if you want to just do a one-time uh, gift or commitment to the show, my PayPal is chris, C-H-R-I-S, at H-E-G magic.com. That email is my, um, is my uh, PayPal, chris at H-E-G magic.com, Hannibal Entertainment Group, if you're wondering. Okay. And a very special announcement. This is going to be my first, uh, this is going to be a commercial, but I believe that uh, it is a, an event that will appeal to a large amount of you guys listening. It's fairly short, and this is for the Geek Gala coming up in Charlotte. Geek Gala, if you'd prefer. Uh, I'm not going to rest on semantics here. I am, I am completely semantic supportive. But the Geek Gale is coming up, and they sent me a short commercial to play for you guys. And here's the information you need. It's the ninth annual Geek Gala, Geekzilla, King of the Carolinas. What is a Geek Gala? Why, it's the geekiest Halloween party in the Southeast. 
Join us October 21st at the Noah's Event Center in Charlotte, North Carolina for a night of food, music, comedy, and shenanigans. Test your knowledge and win prizes during the Geeky Trivia Challenge. Show off your sweet Halloween attire during the costume contest. Or if you have mad skills, enter the Geeks Got Talent Contest for a chance to win $150. The night includes live performances from comedy rock god Mikey Mason, Matricula from the same consensual clown posse, and Boomstick Burlesque, Carolina's newest geeky burlesque review. Be sure to buy your raffle tickets to win one of our wondrously geeky goodie baskets. All raffle proceeds go to benefit the Dave Thomas Foundation. Tickets and information available at geekgala.com. The Geek Gala is presented by the Charlotte Geeks and Con Carolinas. The Geek Gala is not intended for children or for those without a sense of humor. So if you have a sense of humor and you're not a child, be there. So there you have it. Geek Gala. I was right the first time. See? Second guess myself. That's what happens when you second guess yourself. Coming up soon, and like uh, like she said, all the profits, all the all the um, everything that's raised goes to the Dave Thomas Foundation, um, which is pretty close to my heart. The Dave Thomas Foundation. If you don't know, Dave Thomas, the guy who founded Wendy's, uh, it's a foundation for adoption, and what they are trying to do is find loving families for every child waiting in foster care. They want them to get adopted. They are North America's only national nonprofit charity dedicated solely to finding permanent homes for hundreds of thousands, 140,000, I think it was, the, it was the count, of children that are currently in foster care looking for homes. Now, this is close to me because I was adopted. In fact, uh, as I'm recording this, this is the day of my adoption 52 years ago. I was a, an unnamed male child. That was my uh, official title. Up until today, when uh, in 1965, um, Robert and Susan Hannibal adopted me and gave me my name, Christopher Edward Hannibal, and I remain so until today. So I'm a strong advocate for adoption. I was put into a very good home. I was raised by two loving, nurturing parents who uh, who absolutely cared for me, even in, in, their, in their toughest times. I, I knew I was cared for. I knew I would be taken care of. So a big advocate for uh, for that kind of um, that kind of love and nurturing. So Geek Gala coming up. Um, thanks to to the to the Charlotte Geeks for uh, providing that for me, and, and I'm I'm honored to be able to uh, to bring some attention to your show. Um, is that it? Have I covered everything? I think so. All the business stuff out of the way. Follow me on the social media. Uh, Hannibal Unique Inspirational Theater on Facebook. Magic Artist or at Magic Artist on Twitter and Instagram. Um, what am I leaving out? Christopher Hannibal on LinkedIn. If that's if that's uh, what you what you search for, uh, I do a lot of business uh, via LinkedIn. It's been um, it's been wonderful and educational as far as the business side of what I do goes. Um, podcast is here. You're obviously listening to that. If you're listening to the podcast and you're enjoying it, think about leaving me a little uh, rating. Drop me a, uh, some stars and. Uh, and, uh, and leave me a, a review uh, just to help build the audience. Uh, another way that uh, my fans, my, my audience, my family out there, you, you guys who are my friends, um, help me out with this. And I appreciate it. Um, the blog uh, is at uh, gomagicboy.wordpress.com. And I think that's all the places you can find me. I'm all over the place. You can search for me on YouTube and there's dozens of videos there too. Uh, that's fairly intuitive. What have I been up to this week? Holy cow, what have I been up to this week? Well, 
It started off, um, of course, being uh, recovering from the the uh, the small effects we had here in Charlotte of the uh, of Hurricane Irma. Um, I traveled to Chicago on Wednesday. I had a uh, I had a program um, Thursday morning at uh, at a place in Chicago, but traveled up on Wednesday afternoon and uh, spent some time exploring the uh, the city blocks around where the hotel I was staying. I was at the at the Congress Plaza Hotel, which is one of those great old hotels uh, with the really high ceilings and the blackout curtains and um, real tile on the floors and the in the in the restrooms and uh, just a real old feel to it, which I love personally. Um, helped me to, to to sleep really well. Uh, hotel pillows suck. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, it's one of the worst things about traveling is the inconsistency of quality hotel pillows. Um, yeah, you can quote me on that. But blackout curtains are a gift from God Himself. Um, but uh, wandered around in the evening, uh, found a, uh, a couple of nice restaurants and pubs and had a bite. And, and one of them, whose name I don't have on my notes, and I should have put that down, uh, one of them, a, a lovely old bar, um, uh, Italian-style, uh, Chicago-Italian-style, um, with, uh, with posters from the, uh, the Rat Pack and, and the Godfather and, and uh, all kinds of uh, memorabilia along the walls. And in talking to uh, my server, she told me that once upon a time, uh, this, this bar was part of old Chicago, and it was a speakeasy. And she showed me a hidden door where it went down into the basement, and there were several uh, tunnels leading off in different directions. And she told me that they go off to different hotels, uh, other bars, and everything like that, so in case... Uh, an escape needed to be made. There were there were hidden doors and hidden tunnels uh, under that part of the city, and I thought that was really amazing, really cool. Uh, I toasted a friend's birthday while I was there. Uh, it, it rolled over into her birthday, and so I, I bought a round at the bar for um, for my friend and raised a glass. And uh, it, it was just it, it felt like a celebratory night. It, it really really did. Um, beautiful. Beautiful Chicago, especially at this time of year. Things were just starting to, to, to hit fall up in there, and there was a lot of gold in amongst, uh, in amongst the greens of the trees. I uh, got up the next morning, got dressed, prepped my show, and went to the Catalyst Ranch, which is a, uh, it's part of a, uh, an office building. Um, and rather than having uh, stuffy, you know, conference rooms or corporate offices, they've made it into a very relaxing, very play-like atmosphere. Um, bright colors and great textures and things like Etch-a-Sketches from, from my childhood and, and Play-Doh and crayons and things that while companies rent the places out, they, they get, and, and of course trying to motivate and inspire and and, uh, and move their businesses forward, they're put into a very creative atmosphere, which fit great for my show, just a great sense of play um, while, while learning uh, the, the, the business stuff at the same time. And don't we need more of that? Don't we need more of a sense of play? When's the last time you just, you know, <laughs> this inspired me. I came, when I finally got back home, I had a delay 
in my flights getting back to Chicago from Chicago. But when I did get back home and uh, I was stopped by the grocers, I uh, I got a coloring book, and I, I just I literally I turned everything off, and I sat on my back porch and just. Uh, kind of lost myself in, in, all, in the colors and the textures and the smells and everything you associate that I hadn't really lost myself in since I was a boy. And uh, it, was, it was very peaceful. It was very, uh, very centering. So I can highly recommend this as, a, as an activity. Um, and, of course, I do card tricks for a living. I, I, I've got a childish sense of the world uh, as it is anyway. But um, anyway, uh, had a great time, had a great audience, um, delivered some magic and some joy at Catalyst Ranch. If you are in the Chicago area or you're looking to throw a, um, a, uh, an event or something like that, seriously look into Catalyst Ranch. They've, they know what they're doing. They've got it together. And uh, I am not paid to say this. Uh, I, I thoroughly had a great time. And uh, the, the hospitality there was uh, uh, first rate all the way across the board. So I finally got back to, um, finally got back to Charlotte, and uh, immediately uh, repacked and headed for Whiteville, North Carolina, which is uh, a small town relatively near the coast of North Carolina. It's not quite to the Outer Banks, but it's uh, it's one of the stopovers on the way there. And a patron that I had met uh, at the Renaissance Festival. Um, had sent me uh, an invitation. They're they're having a fundraiser this past weekend to try and renovate part of the downtown area that was damaged by a storm last year. Um, so I, I made him an offer, and I told him what we could do, and we did a series of shows in his restaurant. He had a, a buffet outside, and then he had a showroom set up uh, that would hold 50 people, and we brought them in like crazy, he sold a, a great number of tickets. We sold out uh, every every single one of them. And um, in talking to him between shows and, and during dinner, we, we had a chance to sit down. The name of the restaurant is The Chef and the Frog. Uh, now, The Chef is his wife. And I'm, I'm, I may make some mistakes in this story because I'm really kind of telling it from rote. He is sending me uh, an email uh, with the more detailed story, which I'll publish on the blog uh, later, or or maybe I'll talk about it in next week's podcast once I have the details in front of me. But the basis of it was his wife escaped uh, Cambodia, I believe it was Cambodia, by pretending to not be able to read. Uh, if If they had known that she had the intelligence to be able to read, um, she would have been killed uh, at at like 10 years old because... It was a threat. Uh, uh, someone in poverty, and especially a woman in poverty, was a threat to the government because of her ability to read. So she pretended to not be able to read and escaped uh, escaped that fate. She There were other series of adventures. Like I said, I'll get into details later. But eventually she, uh, she taught herself to cook, and then she took... Uh, more. She took classes uh, in, in college and, and learned to become a chef, and she, she put her own style into a lot of things. Um, they, uh, they were, she and her, and her, when she met her husband, he helped her to open several uh, restaurants, and they moved around a bit, and 
Some of them were very successful and some of them were successful for a while and then because of economy um, failed or starting to fail. But there was always, uh, there was always a, a patron there to, to pick them up, to help them to the next uh, thing. And they are currently at a beautiful restaurant that they own now uh, called The Chef and the Frog in Whiteville, North Carolina. I had Cambodian steak and it was... It was like a Southern American steak with hints of Asian texture and flavor and something else I couldn't identify, but that was her own signature. The food was incredible is what I'm trying to tell you. It was, it was, um, it was beyond wonderful. And just to be there in the middle of the, it's like a gem in the middle of this city, um, delightful. Just wonderful if you're if you're passing through. I highly recommend it, and and they were uh, they were great and personable. And he had seen me at the Renaissance Festival and decided that it would be something that would be great for his restaurant. And they took the proceeds from that and gave it to the city to uh, to help with the renovations. They are helping their neighbors and what they're doing. So I, I really can't say enough about them, and uh, and I will be saying more about them in the future. But that was uh, that was my weekend. And I've spent the last couple of days uh, coming down from that, coming down from all the adrenaline and all the, the highs that come along from performing. And, uh, and I, uh, it, it's hard to explain if you're not a performer and if, if you're not the kind of performer that, that absolutely puts heart and soul into what they do, if, if, you, if you haven't experienced the, the outpouring of passion um, it, it might be hard to explain. I, I wish it for all of you, but afterwards, sometimes there's a, in the cooling down period. There's a sadness. There's a you you've poured all your joy out, and so you're left a bit hollow. And it's very tempting for uh, for sadness or melancholy to to overcome you. And in that time, I, um, I I'm still not sure how I feel about it. I, I published a letter to my children. Um, some of whom I haven't talked to in, in uh, quite a number of years. And I posted it publicly, uh, basically telling them just just straight out that I'm here for them and I, I, I've cared about them since they were born and I love them and my door is always open. I'm getting ready to, um, I'm getting ready to move across the country and I won't be as available. And so I, uh, I took my sadness and I, I put it out on the blog and a few of my uh, my closest friends, the people that care about them care about me the most, uh, gently approached me and said, "This might not have been the best way to go about it. Who did you really write the letter for? Are you just trying to gain sympathy from people that read what you read, or are you genuinely trying to reach your children? Because honestly, at this point, it's probably it's probably true that they didn't read it." It's probably true that they don't they don't read my stuff. They don't seek me out in what I'm doing. Um, so I can honestly tell you, I wrote it specifically for them. And it wasn't until after I had already committed it that um, it occurred to me that they might not read it. And it, but it, But it still became, even in the act of doing it, it became fairly cathartic for me to be able to get these feelings out. And uh, the following day... I, uh, I wrote an explanation also on the blog about exactly why I had done it and what my intentions were and what my feelings were. My, my feelings 
towards the people that I love don't change. Um, they may change, the people may change, the relationship may change its face, but the love I have doesn't diminish or or go away. I, I feel like love is forever. I feel like it's, it's that strong uh, of a thing that it's not... Um, just because you've 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 moved on or your life has changed doesn't take away the um the the meaning that you had before i uh i've talked about losing my dad i hesitate to talk about losing my mother because that uh, that's an extremely painful story and um and it carries uh, some some really deep seated emotions with it. It, it. it carries some 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 really big anger on my part, and um, that's a show I'll do in the future. But I've really got to prepare for it. Uh, short version of this: My mother was taken away from me prematurely. She was fifty years old, and uh, and she was murdered. Uh, she was killed, and her killer. Um, the man who killed her um, never even went to court. Um, planned it out so well that there was no, uh, there was not, there was insufficient evidence uh, to take it before a, a grand jury, which is what the uh, the prosecutor told me. And and I fought it as best I could, um, but it was one of those things where if even though I, I felt I was right on it and I was on, you know on the right track of it. It was becoming detrimental to my own family and to my health and several other several other things. So I, I still feel guilt about not carrying it all the way that I could have. But also in retrospect, I look at it and I know that I did uh, I did the right thing for the right people. Um, I I cannot go so far as to say that I have any kind of forgiveness for him and uh, and that that carries some debt on me as well I, I'd like in a perfect world I'd be able to love and forgive if not forget but in a perfect world he wouldn't have gotten away with it in the first place and I think the fact that he got away with it and is still walking around free today um that prevents any kind of forgiveness I might be able to give. And I, I, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry to bring that. Uh, that's, that's, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. Um, maybe. Uh, maybe. I've written about it. You can find it on the blog if you, if you do a little search. But it's a, it's a painful story. So uh, be gentle with it. Where was I at? Where was I, where was I going with, with some of this? Um, yeah, it, the feeling of loss is also part of the reason that it's time for me to vacate Charlotte. It's time for me to uh, point my wheels west and start a new life over there. The process has already begun and people are being very encouraging. And I even had a friend write to me and say, you know, Charlotte's kind of closed for you now. You've the, the soil isn't nurturing you anymore. And that's a really true statement. So I'm going to go put my roots uh, somewhere else and try to... Um, Try to start this off, this life off right, and and my goal in it is to to keep doing what I'm doing, basically to to be in front of audiences and to entertain and to uplift and inspire as best I can. That's that's who I am. I opened up 
the uh, the Patreon uh, account to questions to the people that are patrons, um, and the the one question that I got, let me pull this up, is from Jacob Dingwell, and his question to me first off was, what or who are your greatest influences from performing to my real life? I'm curious. Well, Jacob, in my uh, in my real life. I am I am really surrounded by great influences. I am I am surrounded by artistic loving people who guide me and 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 show me a better way even if it's not directly. Uh, there's there's a whole score of, of of influences just looking around. And I'll come back to that in a second. In in magic in my in my performing um influence I'd have to list three men in particular who inspire and, and, and showed me a better way to go as I was first coming up and still remain important to me today. Uh, first and foremost is Rene Lavand. Rene Lavand was, in my opinion, one of the greatest magicians who ever lived. He was a, a supreme card artist, and he had, uh, he had but one hand. He'd lost, uh, he'd lost the first one. He'd lost his right hand when he was uh, when he was nine years old, um, but still aspired to become a magician. And the things he does with just his left hand are uh, are unbelievable, just pure magic. You can find him uh, on YouTube. Just look up Rene Levant and see some of his great work, especially especially uh, an effect known as three breadcrumbs, which is poetic and beautiful and, and stylish and everything that real magic ought to be in my opinion. And he showed me uh, how to dream and how to take those dreams and make stories out of them and how to alter how to alter real life so that it told the truth while presenting a deception. Uh, he is beautiful and, and, and poetic and real magic. So first influence would be would definitely be Rene Levant. Um, second and third are, are tied for, for second place. Uh, Eugene Berger, who recently passed away, great philosopher, great teacher, never really famous outside the world of magic, but he influenced thousands and thousands of magicians with his gentle words and, and his, his way of teaching what magic ought to look like. And, um, and Tom Mullica. Tom Mullica showed me how to present a joke, showed me how to deliver sarcasm, showed me how to handle hecklers, um, gave me ideas freely for effects that would work well in the venues that I was working in, um, gave of himself. Uh, beautiful, beautiful artist in, in his own right. He, he, worked at, uh, he worked in Atlanta, had a magic bar there for a number of years where he would just have people come in and entertain them. You do a formal show behind the bar, uh, culminating in him, in him eating a, a, like 20 cigarettes, 20 lit cigarettes. That act you can also find on YouTube, and it is astounding. Uh, I've seen him do it dozens and dozens of times, and it never fails to uh, to put a smile on my face and a, and a, and a just slack-chawed wonder and what he does. So those are my influences outside of magic. Let me tell you about my boys in Marillion. 
<laughs> it's my favorite band. I discovered them uh, roughly the end of 1983 into 84 when uh, a boss a boss of mine um, turned me on to some of the songs and, and the fir- their, their, their third album, uh, Misplaced Childhood. And every record since has, uh, has spoken to me at some level. Um, the tenacity of what they do. They don't have a huge following, but the people that that do follow them and love them are are committed to their uh, to their sound to their music. Marillion was the very first band to turn to crowdsourcing to fund uh, one of their albums. They 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 came to their newsletter, the the, the fan clubs, and were like, "We are um, we're no longer working with a corporate record company." Um, we, we don't have the money to finance putting together an album to sell to you. Um, but what we, what we want to do, we're asking you to have faith in us. Um, we don't even have a record written yet. There, there, it doesn't exist in any way. But if you will go ahead and buy it, if you will buy the record on faith um, from us right now, um, we will have the ability to go into the studio, record the record, put our time into it the way we should. And those of you that, that contribute will get a special version of the record uh, with your names in the liner notes. And they, they needed X amount, and they, uh, they put it out there and exceeded it by tremendous amounts. They were able to actually give a better product than they initially anticipated. And so for since then, and this was, gosh, uh, maybe, I'd, I'd have to look it up, but early 2000s or late 1990s they uh, they were the very first people the very first artists to put it out there as crowdsourcing and and have their fans buy an album before it was even written um and it was it was anarachnophobia and it was uh it was glorious it was fan I still listen to it to this day but they they broke ground like that they broke away from the corporate corporate record making machine and made the music that they wanted to on their own terms, and their fans, us, their fans, had faith in them enough to contribute, and they had faith in us enough to put out great music. They make the music they want to make when they want to make it, um, and to me, that's that's art. That's the definition of taking that chance and and putting your heart out there. Um, in, in trusting the universe to guide your art to the right people. And if they, they've taught me that. They taught me just that and exactly how to put the trust out there. Like I'm doing here. Like, you know, it, this is a, a minuscule example of, of what they've done in the past. But without Marillion, I wouldn't have had the idea to do this. I wouldn't have had the idea for the, some of the public shows that I have uh, crafted some of the things that I've just put out there. So that's if I'm looking for a big influence on my real life outside of my performing life, it's Steve Hogarth, Steve Rothery, Peter Ravis, Mad Jack, <laughs> and Ian behind the drums. Those those guys and Fish, who was their first lead singer and still amazes me to this day. Um, those guys are my biggest influences, and I, 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 when things get tough, I can look to their poetry and to their music and know that it really is, um, 
It really is exceptional. One of the other questions I got, or one of the, the things I got um, on Facebook, when I put the questions out to Facebook, uh, James Kierstead said something like, uh, Hannibal sings Marillion's greatest hits. Yeah, I don't have anywhere near that range, my friend. Um, I like my singing, and I do like to sing, but when it comes to that, uh, Marillion songs are probably best left <laughs> best left to me singing them in the car with the windows tightly rolled up. Um, not saying I won't ever sing on this podcast because I do love it and it's part of who I am, but maybe not Marillion. I don't think I could do it the right kind of justice. But prove me wrong. Suggest a song. You know what? <laughs> if you're listening and you want to make a comment and then wherever you're listening to, whether it's iTunes or SoundCloud, Look at, if you've got a favorite Marillion song or you, you just want to go through it, I'll sing a few bars. Why not? I mean, I love the music. I love what they have to say. And, hey, it's my show. I'll say and do what I want. And hopefully a couple of you will stick around because uh, I, I think some of you enjoy this as much as I do. Magic dude pouring his heart out into a microphone on his overly cluttered desk. This really has to be taken care of. I really, I got to do that tomorrow. Tomorrow's cleaning day, boys and girls. Don't look for me. Um, I'm going to run through some questions that I got on Facebook. Try to, to answer those as well. Sometimes I wish, and maybe I'll do it someday, but sometimes I wish this was a live show so that I could take calls. And, and maybe it's time for a guest. Maybe it's time to have somebody in or, or, or put in a call and record a, an interview. Hmm, maybe pull an artist in and we'll interview each other and uh, give some promo maybe to some people that would like to put it out to the people that listen to this. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of wool gathering right now. Sorry. Uh, how do you find... Okay, this is from Joaquin Ayala. I hope I'm saying that right. How do you find your authentic self to portray in magic shows? You know, my friend, it's, it's difficult and it's really easy all at the same time. All you have to do is look at your true heart, look at who you are, be proud of what you are and who you are, uh, look at your own history and where your lessons came from, uh, who taught you how to be this kind of a person or how to respond in this situation, or how do you eat your dinner? How do you, how do you sit around a table? Are you casual about it? And you know, how do you react to strangers? How do you introduce yourself? All the little things that make you who you are. You, you turn your magnifying glass inward. You find out who you are. And then, honest to goodness, the best way I've found is to simply write it down. You write down who you are. You write down how you would react in certain situations. And you tie your art into the most authentic self that you possibly can. The other way, of course, is just to perform. Um, start digging. Get you know As soon as you can get a little piece of yourself in there and you put it on stage and make it a part of an authentic act, you'll be amazed how it grows as you, uh, as you strive for authenticity. Dominic Denoto, your experiences with airplane travel, airports, hotels, I think would be fascinating. <laughs> fascinating. Oh, my Lord. You know, I love to travel. Um, you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about airports. You want to talk about airplanes. Remember that you are not the only person flying. 
Remember that if you are wearing a backpack, you are a foot and a half deeper than you normally are. So sudden turns could take out a small child. I'm not kidding. Um, don't make sudden stops. Don't walk out into traffic, into foot traffic. People are hustling to get someplace. Look around. Realize that it's more than just you. That's that's the biggest thing about airport, airport travel. Um, I... I used to stress about air travel. I don't anymore. Uh, when when you come to realize that even some of the worst turbulence you could get into uh, is is no more violent in its own way than driving down a uh, a road with potholes. It doesn't shake you up any more than uh, than that. And once I realize that, I can mostly sleep through it these days. Um, a good, a good rule of thumb, if you're nervous about the way the plane is acting or if you're nervous about anything, look at the, uh, look at the flight attendants. If, if it's just an everyday thing to them, if they don't seem to be bothered because they see it all, if, if they're cool, if everything's cool with them, everything's cool. Nothing to worry about. Um, take, take the tips from them. Um, it's, uh, you know what? I think I'm going to devote more time to that, Dominic. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to shorten that question for now, but I'm going to promise you to come back to it because I want to do a little bit more in depth on that because um, there are some things and tips that I can give. I'm making a note now to actually do this uh, at a at a future possibly probably next week. Um, how to get through it the quickest ways and and, and tips that I can throw out there. Uh, it's going to take up some time, probably more than I want to devote to it right now. But it is a great topic, and I will come back to it. William Rader, yes, sure, why not? I'd love that. Let's talk. River, the role of story and myth in modern society. Oh, dear. I think this one might take up the rest of our time. Um, storytelling, the art of the story, the role of the story and myth in our modern society in my opinion, is vital. Uh, not only is it the learning tool that we have, not only is it the um, is it the, uh, the the crux of what society is built on. We teach our lessons that way. We we learn our history through stories. I mean, you come right down to it. We learn our science through stories. We we tell stories of the scientists the scientists that came before us and what they learned and what they contributed to science, to the arts and to the sciences. And then we learn from them by telling stories. Even more than that, stories and myths are a way to pass down morals and ethics and guidance, not only to children, but to adults as well. Um, think back to the grand fables, um, the Aesop's and the and the Brothers Grimm, and um, the stories we used to embrace a lot more before um, they were somewhat homogenized and brought to movie theaters. Um, if you go back to the uh, Grimm fairy tales. Uh, they were exactly that. They were grim. They were um, they were dark. They they had some. I mean, you know, 
you, you go back to uh, to Cinderella, and, and one of the earliest versions of that story is not the glass slippers, but fur boots, which came off uh, in the snow, and then the prince followed her bloody footprints back to uh, back to her hovel, and and that's how that story, at least one version of it, uh, originally went. But but the, the the morals that were carried along with these things are, are what helped to guide our uh, our growing as we are growing. I'm not I'm not being very clear about this, and I'm sorry. Um, it's it's just the hour. Um, but they do help to imprint uh, a moral mold, if you will, a, a footprint, uh, a foundation to stand on, to where. Uh, even okay, I'll give you an example of this. In the uh, in my favorite book, Watership Down, um, storytelling is is crucial to the main Warren and and how they teach their young and how they inspire each other to keep moving in the face of of horrible hardships. Um, they tell stories of El Hararia, the the uh, the prince of of all the rabbits, uh, the one of the thousand is what that means in in the in the language of the rabbits, um, prince of a thousand enemies, um, and they teach each other how to avoid said enemies and how to they're not strong enough to fight, but they're strong enough to run and and clever enough to trick and and agile enough to dodge danger rather than facing it head on. And when they face when they are finally Put in a position where they have to 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 face it head on. It is a story that was told um, during their travels that helped inspire them uh, to save themselves. Stories transform us in a very fundamental way. We learn from others' mistakes. We learn from others' victories. Whether you are reading a book and and if, I know you and uh, and I know me and I know the kind of people that listen to me books become friends books become a part of uh, of who you are and your own your own journey you know and, and more so than than and, and I don't want to use the term just books but more so than than books themselves the stories that they contain and verbally, audibly telling a story to a friend or a child changes not only the listener, but also the teller in a very fundamental way. Um, one of the sayings that I embrace that, that I first heard my father say was, people die twice. Um, the first time when their heart stops beating and they stop breathing, and the second time when someone says their name for the last time. And stories allow us to live forever in, in, in a sense. A part of us goes into the story, into the card trick, into the dance, into the, into the bow pulling across the strings. You are telling your own story through your hands. You affect lives, you affect hearts, and that's the genuine value of a good story, even a poor one. 
um, you are saying something, whether you realize it or not, you, you are saying something with the stories that you tell. And it is, it is a good idea to know what you're saying um, before you say it or before you unleash your story uh, onto someone. It's probably a really good idea to, um, to know exactly what you, point you want to get across. As far as myths go, and I'm not entirely sure what you mean by using that word, stories, of course, are a very broad spectrum of things from fact to fiction uh, told from one to another. But um, myths in particular, and I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say uh, religion or, uh, well, let's, let's stick with that. Um, religion by way of myth, by way of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, myth is close, but that's not exactly what I want to say. Uh, we, we have our myths. We all have our own, um, wow, I'm, I'm freezing up here. See, this is the importance of, of stories and talking. But uh, whether whatever religion you believe in, or what, even, even the, the nuances of certain religions that appear to be the same, you know, from Baptist to Methodist to fundamentalist to Catholic to Jew to Muslim to whatever, to, to all of the thousands upon thousands of historical uh, mythologies. Maybe that's what I was looking for, expanding myth out into mythology. The, the vitalness of, okay, okay, okay. Uh, um, Neil Gaiman just came out with a book on uh, stories from northern, from north, gosh, I'm going to use my lips correctly, um, Norse mythology, Thor and Odin and Asgard and Loki and the grand stories and the retelling that Neil Gaiman does with these things teach new lessons, offer new humors, offer new fertile ground to open the creative mind to plant their own stories, which is ultimately what a good story does. It, it begets upon itself. And so if this is, I'm going to use an example from my, my upbringing, my, my learning, the way that I was brought up in the church um, and, and the way that I was taught. I was taught... Uh, from the New Testament, from the Old and the New Testament. And I was taught, you know, uh, God, capital G, God created the earth and all that was in it. And and at seven years old, when I was questioning, let there be light, and then two days later there was the sun, what does that mean? And so, you know, it, it was a myth and it was a story, but it helped give us a grasp or give me, young putting ahead that I was, a grasp on the depth of infinity, that there was much that happened before I came along and there will be much that happens after I, I leave. But then I was taught um, original sin and I was taught uh, carnal sin and I was taught uh, just thinking about doing something wrong is also a sin and that we were all born flawed and dark and fundamentally wrong because of a decision to disobey a loving God that made us. I'm telling you what I was taught. I was taught that the only cleansing of this was through Jesus, 
and through the sacrifice that he made. And I listened to the story, and I embraced the story, and I soapboxed the story for quite a long time. And ultimately, I took the lesson. Um, I can still tell you the story, and I can tell it in some great detail, because I still go back and read it, and I still go back and study it. And I am still familiar with all the intricate details of the religion I was brought up in, into Christianity, and specifically uh, Methodist, uh, Southern Methodist uh, religiosity. Um, so I can tell you the details on that. And ultimately, and here's, here's my statement, I rejected the story. I put it on the wall as a painting, as a myth, as a, isn't this a pleasant story? But what I kept from the story, what I kept from the, the lessons that I was taught was the power of the human being's ability to love. And that the greater power that is outside of ourselves is, in fact, love. Love is the strongest power in the universe. That's the lesson I took away, even when I rejected the story. I, I embrace the idea of Christ without believing the intricate, contradictory stories that pop up in the book that he's published in. Love, kindness, forgiveness, even for the most heinous of acts, and I know I could learn a little better. I've already talked about that in this particular podcast. But it, it, taking, away the, taking away from the story the aspects of how we are made and what we are and and I, I do believe in the soul. I do believe in the, the consciousness of man. But more than just consciousness, I believe in our ability to love, to form love, to, to create with love. And if, as part of the story, we are made by a being, a creative being in his own image, then we too are creative beings. And if we are created by a being of love, then that is what we are too. And maybe the only sin is in rejecting the love that we are capable of and, and focusing simply on selfish pastimes. But selfish pastimes are also part of what make us human. So we forgive. So from the mythology that I was taught, I learned kindness. I learned love. I learned forgiveness. I learned to ask for forgiveness from the people that I was wronged. And I am learning still day to day how to forgive and love myself. I don't love and forgive and reach out to my neighbors and do good things with the goal of getting into another place after this physical body dies. I don't. I don't do the things that I do. I don't love the way that I love with an end game in mind. And I am not putting down those who do. If you are doing good, and that's the reason you're doing good, good gets done. Love gets spread. Love gets done regardless of your reasons for it. I'm telling you that my reasons do not have to do 
with having a face-to-face relationship with the God that made me. I simply want to display the love that I have as hard as I possibly can with no expectation of reward and no expectation of, of, you know, we all could use a good attaboy. We can all use a good well done. But I, I get those well dones from myself, privately, quietly. I do good things for people. I uplift people. I save lives. But I don't wave that flag from the top of my hill. I, I, I would much rather continue the work. And the only reason I bring it up here is the, the, the aspect of telling the story and what you gain from it. And, and to hopefully encourage others to do likewise. You don't have to believe in the same God that I believe in or don't believe in. You don't necessarily have to believe in a physical manifestation of love. But you have the capability of doing it whether you believe or not. And the world becomes smaller and a better place because of the effort put forth to love, forgive, and be kind. We are holy people without needing... I really don't want this sentence to be misconstrued or misquoted or taken out of context. But we are holy beings without the need of a God to make us so. And so to express that feeling, to express that that capability of loving and forgiving and nurturing and having affection for our fellow travelers, We created the gods, we created the myths, and we created the stories in order to make it easier, perhaps, to teach these these fundamental ethics, morals, and and, and personal holiness. I mean, one of the the very first sentences uh, in the Bible that I studied was, God made man in his own image. That is at once a very arrogant statement to make, and yet a very true statement, because God made us in his image after we made him in ours, you know? God made us, I like that, God made us in his own image after we made him in ours. We are conscious, we are capable of unbelievable love for each other. And honestly, all we have to do is exercise it. And one of the greatest ways of exercising love and kindness and beauty and expressiveness and art is in telling a story, is in sharing of your own experiences, your own beliefs, and your own heart. And boy, maybe I'm naive Maybe I just haven't been around enough, but I still firmly believe that if we could just talk and understand each other, forgive and trade freely, give of the work of our hands and accept the work of others' hands without without money getting in the way, I think that's where heaven lies. That's where true salvation is. Stories save people. 
Honest stories heal people. And that's what I think about the vitality of the story and the myth in the modern age. And River, thank you for the question. I, uh, I hope what I said was, was clear and, and, and understandable. I, I try to love as hard as I can. I, I really do. I, I want, when I, when I feel the love that I have inside of myself, when I have the capability of putting it out there, there's really no greater feeling. And my place to deliver that is on a stage. Now, whether that stage is a sidewalk with my table in front of me or, or whether that is at a restaurant with a table in front of me or, or on a stage with a table in front of me and an audience of eyes looking and, and minds open and hearts reaching to actually hear what I have to say. And I do it through card tricks. And, uh, and I do it through this medium. I do it through my voice and, and the things that I say, the philosophies that I put forth and the, you know, maybe it's going to piss somebody off. Maybe somebody's going to call me a heretic for my views. Maybe, maybe I'll lose business because I said love one another. And you can love one another without having to have a God in the way. Does that mean I don't believe in God? No, that does not mean, doesn't mean that at all. I don't believe the myths, but that doesn't make them any less real. I'm not making a lot of sense, am I? The story is there to help, to help guide the idea, to help guide the focus. That's what it's for. You could be a dancer. You could be a belly dancer. Some of the, you know, the people that I love are belly dancers. Some of the, some of them are strippers. Some of them are burlesque strippers, and 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 card players and magicians and jugglers and sword swallowers. And they're all doing it because of the love they have for the craft and the love they have for the people sitting in the seats. Actors and singers and. Everything else, reading another man's words, another woman's words on a stage to tell a story, to lighten hearts, to give hope. That's the role of the story. I'm going to stop now. If you have specific questions about it, about anybody listening, if you have specific questions or comments about what I had to say, you know, let me know. Let me hear you. Um, skipping. I'm going to take a look down through the questions, see if there's anything I need to address right away. How do I live? Timothy Carver, how do I live the life I feel I deserve? That's a tricky question, man. Some people feel like they don't deserve a good life at all. The, the thing you do, how do you live the life you feel you deserve? You work. You work and you fail and you fall on your face and you get booed off stage or you get fired or you, you, you lose your house because you can't pay the mortgage or you, whatever. You, uh, you strive. You set your goals and you put your feet in front of you. You get your feet under you and you stand up and you walk. And, and, and the thing is, you've got to convince yourself that what you deserve is the best that can be. Now, if you're a performer, like me, and then most of the most of my friends, if you're a performer, your your goal should be to to deliver the best you can to your audience, and they will give you the life that you deserve. They will they will wish it on you. Boy, they have for me. 
It, it's not just empty seats and it's not just you standing on a stage putting your ego up in the lights. That that may do it. That may eventually do it. But for pure satisfaction, for the ability to hold your head up and keep your shoulders square and to say, I did this good thing, it's got to come from a place of unselfishness. That's how you do it. That's how you live the life. First of all, you, you've you got to figure out what you deserve. And by the way, you deserve a good life. But you got to go out and earn it. That's, that's the key. You, you, you do the work. How can artists make differences in the world today? Kat, um, I, I think I answered that a little bit in the, in the story diatribe. You make a difference. It's not how can you make a difference. You are making a difference. The question, I'm going to turn back around uh, to you. Uh, Kat asks, how can artists make a difference in the world today? You're making a difference. Now, what you've got to focus on instead of how can I make a difference is what difference do I want to make? What direction do I want my art to point into? What do I want to say to these people? Right? You're making a difference. The, 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 the question is what kind of a difference are you making? What seeds are you sowing? You cannot put down apple seeds and expect to grow an orange tree. You know, it's, um, it's more than that. You have to, to make a positive difference, to, to heal the world one or five or ten or a hundred people at a time. You, you put forth love into the art you're putting out. You put forth the message you want put out. And it's perfectly valid to put out art that is anger, to react to the, the world you see in front of you to put out your outrage at, at the way things are and the way that you feel they should be, that's perfectly legit. That's perfectly exactly within your rights to do as an artist. React to the world the way, the exactly the way you see it. But then also don't forget to put forth what you want to see in the world. There's a, there's a meme, there's an old saying, be the change you want to see in the world. As an artist, you want to take your heart and your hands, you want, to you want to deliver it to people, and you want to make sure that the message you're sending out is exactly what you want to send. That's how you make the difference in the world. You put your love behind it, and your love will push it in the direction that you, uh, that you give it. You have a big responsibility with that. Rhonda asks, how to survive a divorce even if you aren't a magician? I've always felt that sharing how we survive our deepest heartbreaks is invaluable. Rhonda, how do you survive a divorce even if you aren't a magician? Well, let me tell you, I am still surviving my divorce. I am still grieving at times. I am still mourning the death of my marriage at times. And I think the key to surviving is allowing yourself to grieve, allowing yourself to be sad, to be angry, to, to go through all the steps and allow it because you are a human being and because you deserve to forgive yourself, even if you're completely at fault and I don't believe that it's all it's ever all one-sided. I've I've seen it too intimately to to believe that. 
regardless of what stories you may hear. You, boy, this is the this is the the key word of the podcast today, isn't it? You forgive yourself. You understand that we're human, we're flesh and blood, we're we're flawed, and sometimes the flaws we have just don't don't match up with our partner's view of the way the world should be and the relationship ends or dies. Sometimes it dies suddenly and sometimes it's drawn out and, and painful. But you forgive yourself for those things. You honest to God forgive yourself first, then you forgive your partner. Understand that they were reacting to whatever they believed or, or they were doing perhaps what I, I don't individual situations are different of course but you know they sought happiness elsewhere and that happens and that's human and and so you find it somehow to forgive them and and you live one day at a time and you forgive yourself a little bit more each day and um, and you survive. How to survive a divorce? Survive. How to... <laughs> oh, Hannibal. Uh, how to get back at your spouse. How to, uh, you know, forgive them, of course, in your heart. But if you want to get back at them, survive and thrive. And live better. And live more to your own satisfaction and to your own needs you have sacrificed and you have given to another human being and for whatever reason that relationship came to an end and so now it's just you and and whatever you know if there's children of course the children have to be taken into account but what you have to do is live your life put a stake in the ground and say this is my life this is what i believe this is the flag i'm going to fly and believe in it and take baby steps each day to to survive survive and then thrive i I hope that wasn't too i don't know it it, it's not cliched but it but it certainly it's the truth of it it's it's the raw simple truth of it allow yourself to be sad when you're sad allow yourself to be angry when you're angry feel what you feel and get it out and write it down and write a song and make a sculpture that is horrible and put paint on a, on a canvas or, or whatever you need creatively to get it out. Rant and scream at the universe. Get the negative feelings out and, and let them go. You find a way, even if it's just chiseling it away a little bit every single day, you let a little bit more of it go. And you love yourself through it and you forgive yourself through it and you forgive yourself again and again and again and again and 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 things will get better and life will go on and it will be a better life than it was before i will talk about my deepest heartbreak i'm making a note on another podcast and i will give you fair warning when i'm going to do that Because, oh boy, do I have a lot to vent. But it's not time yet. I'm surviving right now. I'm surviving each day. I'm surviving each hour. I rely on friends. I rely on love. I rely on my books. I rely on my art. 
and I keep my heart beating and I keep breathing every single day because I owe it to myself and I owe it to you and I owe it to the audience. But most important, I owe it to me. My life is a gift. Every single day I get is a gift and I will not live my life condemning myself for who I am and how I live. I won't. I have the capability of great happiness and joy that I can give to other people. And I reserve some to give to myself. That's how I survive. That's how I'm getting on top of things. That's how I'm living and surviving and thriving. (sighs) To be continued... Uh, Jason Johnson, how about getting from here to there, the journey behind the decision to move? Yep, that's a full podcast as well. I am taking these notes. They will get addressed. Uh, I give myself, you know, an hour or or so to to do these things. I I think I'm way past that now, but I don't care at the moment. Um, Tom Ainsworth. Here we go. Tom, your comment magic for dummies or a few simple tricks to help pick up chicks nope 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 my art is not to pick up chicks my art is not to uh, I don't know I don't <laughs> I, I, I I'm I don't want to get off on another tangent here on another soapbox here but I don't pick up chicks I don't, uh, they're, they're not, uh, they're not, women are not objects to be picked up. They are not territory to be conquered. They are human beings. They are, <laughs> they are the best of us. So, <laughs> they, um, they deserve respect. They deserve a good treatment they deserve more than just a, I can do card tricks so I'm going to try to impress a woman enough to date me have sex with me what the fuck ever no that ain't what it's all about you don't you don't tarnish the art that I love for the act of seduction It can be done after getting to know someone as a human being, as a real person, as a a woman deserving of respect and honor. The same way you would respect and honor a man that you were going to show your art to without some kind of an ulterior motive. I'm I'm quite certain you were joking, Tom. I'm quite certain that, that you will... In response to what I'm saying, you're saying it was just a joke. It's a bad joke. It's um, it's not funny in the first place. And uh, if you think you're going to use your magic to pick up chicks, you should have picked up the guitar instead. But um, honestly, those aren't the kind of women I want to establish friendship with. Initially, they aren't the kind of women that I would think about having a relationship with casual or otherwise and I just bristle at the idea that a woman is a prize to be won or a an object to be picked up Uh, 
and magic ain't for dummies. I'm done with that. <clears throat> Got any questions? Send me a note. I'd love to address it further. Uh, last question on the list right here, and I do have notes for the things that I did not cover here. They will be addressed in the future, I promise. Graham Russell, I would love to hear the podcast where you discuss your favorite media, whether that be your favorite films, albums, or artworks. Quick rundown, but I will address them in, in, uh, in more detail in the future. Thank you for the awesome question, Graham. My, uh, my favorite band is Marillion, as I, as I addressed earlier. I would highly recommend looking into them. If you go to their website, marillion.com, um, and there's a, there's a form there, they will send you a free sampler CD of their music. Um, it's hard to describe. Uh, it's hard to, uh, to tell someone who's not heard of them or what they, kind of, what they play uh, how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is. So Marillion, uh, being the people that they are, um, they, will, uh, they will send you a free CD or they will give you a free download sampler of their music so you can hear for yourself. And all they ask is that you actually listen for yourself and make up your own mind. Uh, I highly recommend that practice. They're giving their art away, uh, or a portion of it, to the, uh, to the idea that there's a certain amount of people who will listen to it and go, yeah, yeah, that, that moves me, that, that reaches me. And uh, so, marillion.com, and um, I forget exactly what they call it, but it's a, it's a, it's a free sample uh, of the music that they do. Marillion, in my opinion, are the greatest band in the world. My favorite book of all time is uh, Watership Down. It is a story of uh, storytelling. It is a story of um, rabbits, basically, but uh, rabbits that are run out of their own home, uh, which is being destroyed. It is a story about uh, the growth of a society it is a story about overcoming obstacles, overcoming death, overcoming uh, pestilence and uh, and enemies. And um, it, it, it moves me in, in ways that I really can't... I, I could spend hours talking about it face-to-face uh, -face with you. But uh, of, of all the books that I've ever read, that one uh, reaches me the deepest. Um, Daniel, I think, earlier asked, uh, what series do I get lost in? The one series that I've really, well, eh, mm, let me, I'm going to throw a big net here. Um, my favorite book series uh, was the Dark Tower series. Uh, Stephen King's epic uh, eight-volume, seven-volume uh, set of the Dark Tower series, The Quest for the Dark Tower. I found a lot of truth in it. I found a lot of, of great rainy day afternoons. Uh, just pouring through the books and getting lost in that story and all the intricacies that, that he put into it. Um, so that would be that, that magnum opus uh, really touched me quite well. Um, other, other favorites besides just the, uh, the, the spirituality of Marillion, big fan of the Ramones. Uh, since I was a kid, man, uh, the Ramones were it for me. They, they, taught me attitude and they taught me you don't have to be perfect at your art to be great at it um you know they were not the greatest musicians in the world but their heart and their soul and the the blood that they put into what they did you know they're legends they're they are they changed the face of the world they changed the face of music let's see uh what was a favorite movie 
Oh, I was still talking about a series of books. Uh, the Cerebus books by Dave Sim, uh, Cerebus the Aardvark in comic book form, um, is tied. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cerebus was the first that I, that I really got into. Um, again, a massive tale, uh, 300 issues, and he stopped. He predicted he would do 300 and stop, and he did. Told the story of, uh, of Cerebus the Aardvark, and it's, it's satire, and it's spiritual, and it's funny, and it's moving, and a whole bunch of it incited rage in me in a couple of things. It's a great piece of work. It really, really is. And the artwork that was done by Dave Sim and Gerard, who did his backgrounds, top rate, as far as I'm concerned. Just real, real heart and soul put into uh, ink on paper. Uh, that is tied with the Mage series, uh, written by Matt Wagner. Um, Matt wrote a, a, a story of, of Gilgamesh, of, um, of uh, King Arthur, set in more or less modern day with himself as the, uh, as the hero in it. And it, it was called the, the Mage series. It was initially a book of um, 15, uh, 15 issues that, that told the story of his discovering who he was, Mage, the hero discovered, uh, followed up by Mage, the, uh, I, forget, I forget the name, I'm sorry, it's a bit late. Anyway, the full Mage series of comics, very simple, but very, very uh, moving and telling the story of Gilgamesh and King Arthur and uh, myths themselves in its pages is, uh, is totally top-notch. Um, and that is also tied with uh, Grendel, written also by Matt Wagner, um, the story of a demon that uh, possesses different people, the demon of Grendel. And he starts off with, uh, with Hunter Rose, and Hunter Rose is a gangster and a criminal and a mastermind of the criminal underground. And when Hunter is defeated, the, the spirit goes into the woman that wrote his autobiography, the little girl he helped raise. It, uh, it, um, it's, a, it's a moving, long-spanning story. Uh, sometimes he would turn the, uh, the stories over to other artists and the artwork over to ar- other artists to see where they would take it. But it all came out, um, it all came out beautifully. And I really, really admire the originality of the, uh, of the story. From film, my favorite film, and it has been now for almost 10 years. I, I saw it when it first came out in theaters, and it, and it, it turned my head in a way that none, no other film had until that time. Um, it's Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler, starring Mickey Rourke and uh, Marissa Tomei. That story is, in a big way, my story. A man who embraced and possessed his art and let his art possess him to the point where he literally lost everything he had, including his family and his daughter. And there is, uh, I'm not going to spoil too much of it because it's really something I highly recommend everybody see, The Wrestler by Aronofsky. Um, there is a scene where he is getting ready to go into the ring and... and uh, the, the character played by Marissa Torme uh, is begging him not to go in there. She's like, you'll get hurt. You'll get, you'll get, you might not be able to walk away from it. And he turns to her for just a moment as his music kicks in 
And he delivers the line that I never get hurt in there. The only place I ever get hurt is out in the real world. And brothers and sisters, and if you are still listening to me after all this time and all these words that I've put down, there is no truer statement. There is no truer statement that I've ever heard coming from a work of art that, that moved me in my world than they, I don't get hurt in there. The only place I got hurt is out in the real world. And I am going to make sure that I'm not misquoting that. I'm going to pull up IMDb right now uh, to make sure that I'm saying that right. I'm, I'm getting choked up here just in, uh, in, um, just in describing it. Um, there, yeah, right here. Uh, Randy the Ram Robinson. The only place I get hurt is out there. The world don't give a shit about me. <laughs> Tattoo that over my heart, man. The only place I get hurt is out there. The world don't give a shit about me. In the ring, on the stage, behind the table, across the table. Never get hurt. I'm never sick. I've gone on stage with with kidney stones, and the pain disappears the moment I start to do my job. I've gone on with, with, with sore muscles. I've gone on exhausted onto the stage. I've gone off hurt and brokenhearted, and the stage heals my body in the time that I have to do my job. And The Wrestler sums all that up, and it is a hard movie to watch. It is, it is, uh, it is violent. It is, uh, it is sad. It is heart rending in some places, but it's so worth it. And it's, and the story, if if you want to, <laughs> you want to live, you know, vicariously through the way that I see, uh, the world unfolding around me, that's, that's the movie that'll show you where my heart is. I, um, for something more modern, for something that I just, I absolutely adore, uh, right now, and it's a movie I'm going to have to go back and watch again. Uh, a movie that just came to Netflix, and it is called, I, I think it's, this is right, What Happened to Monday? And it is one of the most original, uh, gripping, um, uh, nail-biting, action, drama, pathos, amazing films. The, the originality, I can't stress enough, it's one of the most incredibly original stories I've seen in movies in a long time. Um, I absolutely love it. What happened to Monday? I'm not even going to tell you so much about what it's about. It's it's better to unfold, and the whole movie kind of unfolds like the like the flowers on a, on a, on a, a flower, <laughs> the petals on a flower. Uh, it's got layers, and it's deep, and it's textured, and and it's it's a wonderful, wonderful film. So I would check that out. Um, I know it's going to become one of my favorites. Uh, just, just from the reaction I initially had to it. And uh, artworks, I, I got so many favorites. I am, The thing that I've been exposed most to in my life as far as artworks go are album covers. Um, from the simple to the complex to the meaningful to the, you know, the, the ludicrous. Um, there are artists that I admire, there's not one that really that 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 I I'm trying to think of the right that there really isn't one artist as far as artworks go, paintings and such that uh, 
that absolutely knocks me down. I mean, I love Van Gogh. I really do love the the passion that he put into what he did and, and who he was and the stories he told uh, on his canvas. For modern artists, I'm friends with Dominic Pangborn, and Dominic is an eclectic artist, and he puts out uh, he puts out works on a lot of different mediums and a lot of different styles, but but everything he does uh, comes from his own uh, comes from his own heart, comes from his own experience and the way he sees the world, and it's beautiful. It's it's amazing what he does with it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna put it there. Um, if you want more detail, ask me. Put out a more you know. Add detail to your question. I, I will fill in the blanks of of, uh, of what I haven't covered here. Come and see me work. Come and see my show. I'm going to be on the East Coast for only a few more months, and I love you all, um, and, I, and I want to spend time with you all. Get in touch, and let's spend time together. Let's talk about art. Let's talk about music. Let's, let's make art for each other. <sighs> Pray for me, friends. Put out platitudes to the universe. I am, uh, I am in a deep struggle, financially, emotionally, trying to get back on my feet in, in a whole myriad of different ways. And I know I'm going to win. And if I lose a couple of times on my way to winning, that's okay, too. I'm still me. They cannot take my, my heart away from me. And I'm, I'm going to love as hard as I can and, and put it out there as deep as I can. That's what I'm about. And that's what this, this whole exercise in, in podcasting and put my voice is about. At least that's, that's what it means to me right now. You, uh, I, I see you and I see you struggling and I see you, I see your fear and I know that things will get better for you. And I know that you are stronger than even you imagine you are. I believe in you. I believe in your, your, your power of creativity. I believe in your, your capacity for love. I believe you can overcome all the things that are bringing you down right now. I do. I see you. And I love you. And I think you're, I think you're awesome. I think you're beautiful, and when I'm talking about beautiful, I'm not talking about something that's on sale. I'm not talking about something that has been prettied up. I'm talking about raw, wild, unique beauty. Honey smells like freedom. Raw, wild honey smells like complete freedom, and gold has no smell whatsoever. A friend of mine shared a song with me, um, and part of it really touched me. Part of it really moved me, and I'm going to share it with you to close uh, this podcast. The, the, the line that caught me, the line that, that brought me in, and it's the opening lines of the thing. Even the stars and the moon don't shine quite like we do. Dreamers searching for the truth. This is a hymn for the hymnless, kids with no religion. We keep on sinning, we keep on singing, flying down the highway. Anyway, that's my story this week. That's where my heart is at. That's what I'm thinking about.
I'm going to remain Hannibal. And I'm going to strive to show you more of my heart in the best ways that I know how to do it. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening all the way through all of this. And I hope that there's love where you are. Sitting on the corner, staring down the street and wall Making funny faces at the people we don't meet a world A world Holding out of pockets for all the world to see a world Singing our old songs, busking you and me a world A world A world Funny how they always seem to want to get away from you Just throw a little money and say Hey man, now do just what you do You sing a little anthem and answer Hey man, I am Just a little more dough and I'll show you where I stand If that's the plan, ain't life grand Breaking in the quarters, nickels, and the dimes of war. Just breathing and dreaming and passing by the time of war. A war. Thinking of the past and what we live for, then war. And where we're living now, our worries in the winter war. A war. A war. Funny how she always seems to want to get away from you She calls you honey in the job But when she's out, you're glue Lord, it's true You put your axe up in the case And then you ease her making haste for the door Then you bust it to the corner Get your busking all in order for the show On the road, here we go Time I play a oh, 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 oh. Days turn into weeks and weeks are into years of oh, oh. We live for the fans and making music in the ears of oh, 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 oh. Thank you.
Okay, now I think I'm good.